bitch is bad and bullshit. Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erin. I'm Erica. And I'm Amy. And uh, it's misogynist of the week time. Um, I will admit that um, finding a misogynist of the week for this week was a bit of a stretch because everyone decided to be racist and misogyny wasn't as apparent as, apparent as it usually is. Um, that said, we did find someone. They're there. They're always there. Yeah. They're lurking. The racists were just so much louder this week. It was a real pain in my ass. Mm. Um, so, you know, the Democratic primary is underway in America. And, uh, you know, we have yet to speak about it on the actual pod. But um, that doesn't mean we can't uh, talk about someone on our misogynist of the week. And our misogynist of the week for this week is Beto O'Rourke. Uh, the former congressman from Texas who lost to Ted Cruz in the Senate race in November. Uh, Beto announced on Thursday that he is running for president uh, and he gave a clear call for Americans to look past their differences in order to confront the challenges facing the country, basically running a very similar unifying campaign that Obama did and kind of a similar thing that Cory Booker is doing. Um, he posted a video uh, as his announcement, and he said, quote, you'll see us run the largest grassroots campaign this country has ever seen. It's the only way to win. It's the only way to effectively govern. Great. Wonderful. Sounds wonderful, right? So following his announcement, he went to Iowa, which is one of the, I think, the first primary state um, in in the U.S. Instead of primaries, they have a caucus. Um, that's a whole bunch of minutiae we don't need to get into. But effectively, you know, it's important candidates go there and they hold small meetings. They go to cafes. They have, you know, go to events in people's houses where they've got like 10 or 15 people and they try to convince those people why they should support them in the caucuses. And, you know, it's a lot of very small groups and then gets into larger groups as the time goes on. And, um, you know, Beto was in in you know um a coffee shop the other day and uh, his first stop as a presidential candidate and um you know he stood up on the counter and was you know passionately addressing the crowd and he was talking about his wife aptly named Amy hmm. <laughs> and uh he said hmm. he said that you know she is raising sometimes with my help our three children and, uh, you know, this this was kind of off-putting to uh, some women on Twitter. But again, you know, these comments got lost in all of the hullabaloo of the week. And uh, it's so lucky. So lucky. Uh, but then, to be clear, he also made this remark at multiple campaign stops. And then yeah. uh, in Washington, Iowa, he said it again, mm. you know, his wife, Amy, is raising their children, sometimes with my help. And, uh, well, you know what? Thank you. Like, congratulations. Um, so Rebecca Traster, who is, um, has a book about feminism and, you know, the 
the collective anger of women and like how it's transformed politics and culture throughout history. Um, she was like, look on Twitter. She was like, look, I guess like Beto could have stayed at home and baked cookies, but you know what he decided to do was fulfill his dream and his profession. And well, thank God for that. Um, and then we've got, uh, Jessica Valenti, uh, another, um, prominent feminist on Twitter. She was like, he did this again. And it's just as though he doesn't understand that, you know, there are actual candidates like Elizabeth Warren who have actual childcare proposals that would kind of solve this whole issue that he's raising that, you know, he makes enough money or his wife doesn't need to work or she didn't want to work or couldn't work or decided to like, wasn't able to because she needed to take care of the children. Um, and it's just this type of like machismo that is just very much traditional. That is not necessarily what the, where the democratic party is at this point in time. Yeah. Or like where people are. I just like, it's, I mean, we've talked about this before, like the fathers who make jokes about babysitting their kids or like, not not participating in parenting as if it's like some like again weird flex to be like yeah i did nothing my kids are not okay hey. and you're like why would you even brag about that <laughs> um wink wink nudge yeah. nudge and it's also like a very like 90s stand-up joke of like oh my wife and kids you know but it, it's just like the whole vibe of it is like a really um, just so ignorant. Like clearly people want or need to childcare solutions, but there were also like need of men sort of breaking down these like, you know, toxic masculinity tropes of like not caring about parenting, not doing any emotional labor in the house. Um, and like, it's great to praise, you know, a partner who does more of a certain thing and like credit where credit's due and not try to take, credit for things you had no part in but you have to contextualize those comments and like yeah. take ownership over why you did jack shit when it came to your kids and like talk about that and you know and if it's like you and your partner had the privilege of her being a stay-at-home mom, like i don't know what their arrangement is or something like say that we've had the privilege of having a single income household mm -hmm. we didn't need nannies and we didn't need a dual income but most families don't have that i don't give a fuck about your joke about your wife yeah. you know doing all the heavy labor most women do that and they do that unfortunately without any recognition and without any compensation and they do it in addition to doing multiple jobs because they have to mm -hmm. you know but everything about beta work like uh, just dumbfounds me like i have no idea where it came from i don't know why anyone gives a shit about i mean i know like technically where it came from but, like i don't know why he's relevant i don't know why he thinks he is like even i mean i'm sure this isn't like a f I, if he wins on the first go i'd be surprised and very disappointed but like i mean it's clearly leading up to a longer trajectory of of his kind of political path right but like i think it's just very um i think it's just very bizarre and entitled for someone like that to come out of the blue and on already like probably one of the most competitive fields of any democratic Absolutely. primary in the history of like the last at least like i can't i don't e even e know ever? like ever Probably, I would think. And also one of the most most diverse fields. Absolutely. The fact the fact that Beto the, the fact that Beto O'Rourke somehow thinks that he has 
enough substance to go the distance is a bit rich and shows to me like you know he has he knows nothing he knows nothing he's done nothing and he's famous for losing to ted cruz dear god good lord how does this how does this make this guy a democratic primary front runner i mean it was like it's a traditionally red district and they were up pretty significantly the republicans so. yet where is he i mean not he, in the senate no but he like okay closed the margin and and so we're gonna <clears throat> run with that no so, but like so, that's not nothing so to me it, it's okay. not enough it's enough for you to run again or run for governor yes. or run for something yes, but it's not, not for enough president. for you to run as Absolutely. the primary as a democratic candidate no i don't i don't disagree with that at all I think that it's weird that so many people wanted him to run and oh, like people asked are him tripping over who are like, themselves who are like very like established Democrats yeah, with a lot yeah, of for sure. And experience. even the, the people who are now trading on the post Ob- like their you know, their Obama ties and their post Obama White House uh, connection for like some, you know, liberal fame. Like I mean, I'm definitely like not very discreetly shading everyone on you know, pod save America, but like Uh, I think it's really like gross to me and not at all. And still at the same time, not very surprising considering, um, you know, oftentimes some of the mediocrity coming out of the then Obama white house. And some of these people are like, think Beto O'Rourke is like the second coming of Obama. And that's how they talk about him. I find that Mm -hmm. just, just so um, disturbing. Well, it's disturbing. It's revisionist, and it's really just like he is the candidate. Like, and that tells you like how what their real values are, and the kinds of candidates and people that and messaging that they think they can brand and that they think they can spin and work with. And you know, I mean, which is really more so a testament to their lack of cre- connection to any real community and their lack of creativity or savvy, in my opinion. So why they don't? They haven't looked under the hood, although there have been think pieces that came out this week who was like this guy has really done nothing what is going on yeah and that's why i don't think he'll get very far yeah but it's just to me it's like the audacity to run and like to use the obama expression mm-hmm. somewhat ironically but like and then like the fact that people the and then the main like forget the political the politicos but then like the mainstream media and popular culture of it it's like why that what the fuck has like where is Kamala Harris's Vanity Fair cover or whatever. Yeah, that's I mean, effectively how his campaign was announced. It, it was a video and then like a matching no, I, Vanity Fair I cover. I know, but yeah. like, oh, it, it, do you pay for advertising on the cover of Vanity Fair now? Like, that's why, exactly why is that newsworthy? That's your campaign launch is that you're in with Vanity Fair? How'd you get that hookup? And why the fuck is Vanity Fair not covering like candidates that people are like le- more legitimately excited about or are more fa- interesting or whatever? I don't think he is not an alternative candidate. He is not, he's not bringing anything that is remotely radical or interesting to the discussion he doesn't have a fucking platform it's, i know a lot of people don't have platforms yet but like he's not saying anything he is not a candidate of substance he is a yeah, fucking but haircut it's, but kamala and, even kamala harris has come out with like a digital oh, services for, for sure that for sure. she is talking about absolutely even cory booker has his one well cory booker has 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 a history 
of I think he's talking about New Jersey and education right now, but he has a history from which to draw. Yeah. Um, Bernie Sanders is self-explanatory. Well, um, I mean Bernie and Elizabeth Warren and are Elizabeth leading Warren. are leading the like ideas. Right, Elizabeth anyway. Warren is you know is another one who's who who actually has some gravitas behind this but they just picked some like some skinny white guy who you know got an endorsement from beyonce and that's it so are you talking is this the first social media candidate well i feel like social media gassed him up to run and he's like i can run is that like he can run as barack obama 2.0 all he wants but the problem is that like the our politics have shifted in the past right years right Right. politics have shifted and he doesn't have the experience that barack obama had and the lens that barack obama brought with him and frankly you know he i mean for his time barack obama's positions were at least somewhat progressive yeah and they mean some of them don't hold up now, right? Like his view on gay marriage when he was initially running was shit. But like for for the most part, he was talking about things other people weren't talking about. Right. And he was talking and he was speaking in a way that people weren't speaking about politics. And he represented something greater. Yeah. Um, and he had a perspective of born like of like born out of his firsthand experience in poverty and, and racism and, you know, a view of the country that most people who ever would even at any women. level of and yeah. a view on women, oh, which he, I, he was legit. Pre- and he, he, he actually did raise his fucking kids. Yeah. And, like was involved in child rearing and his and like gave deep props to Michelle at every <laughs> chance he could. And yeah. like and that was part of a real part. Partnership, you know? Well, thank you for saying that because I that is how I judge the feminism of men is who do they choose as or who do they yeah who do they have as wives is this somebody who they who one can say is like a partner like you cannot say that Michelle Obama was not an equal, is not an equal partner in that relationship and so when Beto and O'Rourke she was the mentor he was the mentee that's, that's yeah. right that's pretty that, hot mm-hmm. that is right not only was she an equal partner she was she was supporting the family when he wasn't and that's important the way you live that life is important for Beto O'Rourke to go there and to go and campaign stops and, and say that, Oh, I help with my, <laughs> as though it's some fucking joke. That's no feminist. No, That's, and he no, came back I, and apologized, but it was like such a like forced apology. And it was like, Oh, you know, I'm never going to say this again. I see how that sounded and, and I won't say it. And then he also had to apologize for uh, writing some like online fiction i guess anyway i guess he was like a hack. oh yeah. some poetry no when no he was no, no. Like it was like theme? violent it was like a fiction story about oh, really? like you know i don't know the vehicular murders of like 15 kids or some i can't remember i just like read a summary of it i've obviously not read it but mm-hmm. um and apologize it was like oh i'm so embarrassed if I, i'm just like cool you i feel like that was just like Mm-hmm. It's like cool. You just spent the first few days of your campaign talking about like nonsense and I, posing like you know for Vanity Fair. Awesome. I do wonder if um, the the comments about his wife are just kind of like showing his inexperience and his like r- the realities of like running a national campaign. Oh, that's that that's like, what I mean. Like he, yeah, exactly. He was not prepared for all this, and he wasn't vetted. In no, a, he in wasn't a way, vetted, right? You know, because I'm about to vet him <laughs> right now. <laughs> A little bit. 
So um, Guardian, The Guardian has uh, a piece that came out late last year. Um, it's called Better O'Rourke frequently voted for Republican legislation analysis reveals. So he voted for GOP bills that his fellow Democratic lawmakers said reinforced Republicans' anti-tax ideology, chipped away at affordable the Affordable Care Act, weakened Wall Street res- regulations, boosted the fossil fuel industry, and bolstered Donald Trump's immigration policy. Consumer environmental public health and civil rights organizations have cast legislation backed by O'Rourke as aiding big banks, undermining the fight against climate change, and supporting Trump's anti-immigrant agenda. During the previous administration, Barack Obama's White House issued statements slamming two GOP bills backed by the 46-year-old Democratic legislature. Where is the scrutiny? Kamala Harris has already had to defend her fucking race. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, you know, where is the scrutiny? That's my question. And these, and again, I go back to these like democratic centrists who are, you know, who are holding him up to run. I hope they don't have another Debbie Washerman Schultz, you know, episode in this in the next election because you know that's the last thing they need but they seem to be picking winners and losers already and that's something that people had a problem with with the last election yeah i don't how do we kind of like get men to stop thinking that joking about you know their wives raising their kids and them babysitting them like, how do we change that perspective? And we like, don't fucking vote for those fuckers. How about that? I mean, more in general. Oh. We don't fucking vote for those. <laughs> you know, when you when you see the exit polls and you see that women didn't vote for you, like Trudeau has a fucking majority because of women and young people, basically, and indigenous youth. That's why Trudeau has a majority. And that's the thing. The thing about Beto O'Rourke is can he pull with those... So, like, a a growing, powerful demographic in America are educated women. And my question is, can he pull in those votes with those kind of comments? My guess is no. But this idea that women are somehow secondary to the calculus is what is troubling. So what can women do? Well, I mean, I think Aaron's question is more to, like, socially how do Mm -hmm. we get men to do this in their like own private lives and a lot of it is structural like you know the lack of child care affordable child care and accessible child care is like a huge issue that allows for this to happen and makes it impossible for people to you know make choices about like you know real meaningful choices they and instead have to fall back on um how we've been socialized to distribute labor in the house, um, in the home. So it for like so it forces women to sort of take up the these gaps, um, even 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 where they are working and where they're not working. Um, you know they're not compensated and the work is trivialized. And like there are ways through you know universal care like child care mm-hmm. and through you know either like minimum you know minimum income or some form of compensation for say a home moms and parents yeah. of um you know 
not just moms obviously but like to to kind of put like place a real value on that work um and then I think it is sort of you know moving away from these talks of toxic like moving away uh you know from some of the the cultural um forms of toxic masculinity that do allow that to happen like as you said there's a certain machismo in sort of like not caring about what happens to your kids or or having a hands-off approach um and you know we have to challenge that all the time but i think you need the structural systemic elements to make that happen um someone else who i was going to maybe suggest as a misogynist of the week is terry cruz which i know is shocking because he was so he's been so good on sexual assault stuff but he's been really bad lately on twitter around the role of men in the in, in their home in, in home life and mm-hmm. you know today he was tweeting like the the answer to toxic masculinity is um is like good paternal um like presence in the home which like on its face doesn't sound super bad but it's like you know it's just it is sort of a form of toxic masculinity that kind of goes back to this sort of like yeah, paternal what essentialism of like, you know, like a certain, you know, what masculinity looks like and um, the fact that, you know, men need to be raised by men and this sort of like sex or gender essentialism. And he all, you know, he was also kind of parroting a few weeks ago some really troubling lines around like, you know, um, black fathers or ab- like absenteeism mm-hmm. is the source of of issues in the com- in the black community which was like pretty fucked up for anyone to say but was pretty upsetting to hear terry cruz say that and there there are still those people you know so-called progressives who still perpetuate those ideas that you know a certain the the whatever fatherly presence is in a child's life has to still conform to these gendered norms and ones that maybe are a bit more noble than the to- whatever toxic masculinity mm-hmm. is and it's like well noble male gendered male, you know masculine gender roles are also harmful because they are not you know they're one they're gendered yeah. and like that's the problem yeah and anyway i mean you can you can sort of see like where i'm getting out with that but well um i think that like one thing we ignored is that Beto O'Rourke is from Texas. And Mm -hmm. so his form of progression or being a progressive in his mind Mm -hmm. may have to do with the fact that he maybe does help out. Relatively speaking, he may be progressive in terms of, um, in terms of the social norms there. But this is a national campaign. And uh, I think that's part of the problem is that he is still behaving as though he's running in Texas. Yeah. And this ain't Texas. Yeah. And you have to you can have your own views as to like how things should be in your state. But you also have to realize that like your state isn't the only one once you're running a national campaign. Yeah, you can't extrapolate from your experiences from your state because you're relatively progressive compared to like a Ted Cruz, yeah. which is a fucking low bar. It's, sure. it's so subterranean, that bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think it's just kind of a general call to action to men to like be better because the more that your friends joke around, joke with their pals about like, oh, like, ha, my wife's at home. Ha ha. I don't look after my kids. Ha ha. I have to babysit tonight. I can't go out. Uh, you're just furthering this and you need to call them out and tell them that that's bullshit and that they're shitty. And you know what? They're going to get mad at you. But you know what? Fuck them. What's wrong with I, I don't understand what the difficulty is like. 
your it's your kid. Do you not want to take care of mm-hmm. your kid? Like just on a human level. I'm just wondering. Anyway, that does it for misogynist of the week. Get social with us. We're on Twitter at bad and bitchy on Instagram at bad and bitchy pod, Facebook slash bad and be podcast and email us bad and be pod at gmail.com. Bye. 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 Bye.